Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we are live. Hey guys, this is Ruben from Dub's podcast, Connection Loop, and I am on with Francisco. Francisco and I are going to get into this topic of, of story, in fact. I, I don't think a day goes by where I don't talk about the story arc, whether it's in a 30-second ad or whether it's in a social post or even a blog post. Uh, story is so critical, and I think in our overall messaging and communication, especially for business in this day and age. Uh, so, Francisco, if you could just start with a quick bio on yourself, and let's get into this. Sure. Bios, bios are always a, a strange one because you you wonder where where you begin with that. Yes, but, where is the where does the origin story begin? That's yes. always the question. Yeah, so I I did introduce myself as as a keynote speaker and storytelling coach. So that's that's the main part of it. But on top of those things, I also well, I, I do plenty of things to do with to, to do with story. I, I give corporate training. Um, when it comes to events, I also do a lot of, particularly now, do a lot of event moderation, and I host a podcast, the Story Powers podcast. Mm. And what would you say that uh, that we're lacking overall in the business world when it comes to to storytelling? Well, the main thing the business world is lacking in with regards to storytelling is actual storytelling. Is storytelling. So it's just a general lacking, okay? So I would agree with that. Let's take a step back to that. No one lacks storytelling because storytelling mm. is a tool. You know, mm. it's a vehicle. Um, it's a it's a way to communicate. So what mm-hmm. the business world is lacking, in my opinion, is meaningful communication storytelling just seems just just happens to be the way human beings have evolved to communicate mm. in a memorable meaningful way so mm. the, the problem is not the lack of story the problem is the lack of of meaning and connection uh, it, it just so happens that story is the way to achieve that and when we think about storytelling in business i mean there's plenty of storytelling in business but if you if you look at what most examples that people have in mind, you get uh, Nike and Apple tend to come up straight away when you talk about storytelling in business. But then you're usually talking about storytelling as an advertising tool. You're not talking about storytelling as a way to communicate internally, you know, for leadership to communicate, for sales teams to to communicate, for for. A, for companies to generate engagement and get real feedback from their employees. So that side of storytelling is, in my opinion, the one that's lacking most. The one that's to do with ads and you know what you see on TV commercials, that one is pretty well developed. And although plenty of companies could do more there, it's not where storytelling is lacking. Mm. And I, I would argue that <clears throat> I think the reason why we're lacking this type of storytelling or a better way to tell stories in in our messaging is simply because we're not really connected to our audience and what their struggle is. You know, I think for me, where I always feel comfortable is is functioning as someone who's guiding another person and uh, seeing the other person's success as the first and foremost uh, goal of the initiative of the campaign of the relationship and whatnot. And if we if we set up that hero stage, 
I think it kind of opens up opportunities to create that arc. And uh, it's not easy. It's very, it takes a lot of time. It, it, some people make it look very easy and make it look very natural. But in fact, it's something that is a skill that needs to be practiced. There's all sorts of literature on this. There's, there's building a brand story, Miller's book. There's all sorts of text on this. And uh, what would you recommend that we can do to develop that, that muscle? The very first thing that most people need to do before they can start telling stories is uh, listening to stories. Mm -hmm. They need story listening before storytelling. And the f so, so what I mean by that is just paying attention to to who communicates in story in, in your company or outside of your company. And it's just a very simple exercise. You know, as you speak to your friends, as you speak to your colleagues, just pay attention when someone is giving you facts, opinions, and, and statements. And when someone is saying, oh, you know, I hear what you're saying. And the other day, this happened to me. That's a story they're going to tell you. So you notice that, that it happens a lot more than you think in your personal life. And it happens, it rarely happens in business. And if it does happen, those tend to be the people that you think as good communicators or as good leaders. So once you, once you start training your, your, your brain and your ear for a story, um, it becomes a lot easier to figure out, okay, well, that works, that I like. And now is the time to start actually telling some stories. Mm. And the easiest thing to do, the easiest way to do that is to always think of stories as not a story, because a story, the moment you say story, the brain freezes. People don't like they don't have stories, supposedly. But everybody has examples of things that happened to them or happened to people they know, happened to business they were involved with. So talk in examples. Don't talk in opinions. Don't talk in facts. And once you start doing that, you've essentially become a storyteller. I, I really connect to that on multiple levels. I mean, I, I think uh, back to some of the inspirations that I've received, some of the texts that I've received with respect to story. One of my book recommendations is Robert McGee's book called Story, which is actually a, a, a book that I read in a, in a filmmaking class in a, in a there it is. There it is. <laughs> you got it, right? <laughs> right so uh, what I love about this text is that it reminds of, us of some very important things, which is that stories typically start with problems, right? Problems uh, stem into, I think, one of a few options. Number one is uh, person versus self, uh, person versus person, person versus society, person versus nature. And I think that as a starting point, when you look at some of those conflicts, it opens up opportunity to be a guide to support someone. So to bring the conversation back to business from you know screenwriting or just generally story is that what we're trying to do is to provide value to people. And if we understand their problem, we can help them to be that hero that gets that gets over the arc. Could you speak hmm. to that? Yeah. So you, you talked about the problem. I think people tend to complicate what stories are sometimes. And, and there are plenty of books. And you mentioned Story Brand by Donald Miller, uh, which is really more of a, of a marketing book and an advertising book mm -hmm. than an actual storytelling book, because it, they, they at no point suggest that you tell stories. They suggest that you dissect the elements of a story to use in your marketing, particularly mm -hmm. in your website. So this is how you come up with the first page of your website. Yes. But they use the hero's journey, 
which is the original hero's journey, I believe has 12 different steps. Their simplified version has seven, but that's still a lot more complicated than most people can deal with. The way I tend to think of stories is pretty simple. It's you need to give people a context or a setup, then a problem or complication is going to come in and that's going to resolve itself somehow. Right, so that sort of setup problem uh, outcome, the structure is the way most people tell stories. You know, I, I was I was walking home the other day, and and I was just coming home from work, and I was a bit of a hurry because I had to get home and give dinner to the children. And then this guy stopped me on the street, and then I don't know. The guy tells me something, and now I have to sort out whatever this guy is telling me, and then I do it or I don't. That's it. But that's that's the basic of a story, and. I think that what what people sometimes don't don't realize when they are when we start talking about storytelling is that it's significantly simpler than they think it is. Mm -hmm. And you know, if if you are in business, I'm gonna take a wild guess that you've somehow someday helped someone, like they had a problem, then you help them get you know solve that problem. And that is the most basic story in business that anyone can tell, right? And, and and when you're talking to a different prospect or a client, that story sounds like, you know, there was this client of mine, Bob. Bob was just like you. And he had a problem. And the problem made Bob feel bad. I helped Bob solve his problem. And now he feels good. And that's it. And, and that is the most basic story, and it takes little to no knowledge of storytelling to tell. You just need to know that you need to be telling it. Uh, mm. And that, that's where I tend to suggest that people start, is just understanding, um, knowing where to look for those basic stories that you can tell in business, because we all have them. And if, you know, if, if you have no stories, it's because you just haven't been in business at all. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, I love that. You you have written a book, in fact, about uh, public speaking called Bear. Yes. Uh, talk to us about that process. What did you learn? What are some of the learnings from this that have resonated with people so much? Uh, give us give us the, the the hook and the teaser on this. The the pro uh, the process of writing a book. <sighs> well, <laughs> it's um, it's it's as hard as a lot of people make it sound. Um, but but to be honest, I didn't find it that that hard. Um, I, I think I wrote, I did the whole thing from deciding I was going to do it to actually having it published in about six months. Mm. And the process I went through was I you know I, I figured out that I wanted to write on public speaking, which is something I've done for a very long time, and I knew that. Uh, brutally honest public speaking, so public speaking with vulnerability and authenticity was the was the angle that I was going to have at it. So what I did uh, once I had that core idea was I, I thought about an outline. I said, okay, so I'm going to have to talk about structure. I'm going to have to talk about delivery. I'm going to have to talk about storytelling. And then I said, okay, what are all the things that I know about these areas of public speaking. And then I just ended up with a very large list of, of things that I could talk about. And the way I wrote my book is in, they're not tiny chapters. I think they're just little items. So for example, I'm gonna talk about, I don't know, the, there's a little 
bit there that's called the space between. So I'm just talking about pauses. So that is, I don't know, maybe five, six, seven hundred words. And all I'm talking about is that sort of a self-contained idea where I introduce it with some anecdote or some story. Then I talk about it. I teach people how to do it. And then I have a takeaway. And once I figured that that was the format I was going to do, it was actually easy writing it. Mm. You know, it's, I know what I'm talking about. The only effort was saying, okay, what is the interesting angle that I'm going to give here? What is the story that I'm going to use to introduce this part of the subject? And then it was just sitting down and writing it. Um, and I, I didn't have much time because I have small children and I have more than one job. And so it was you know, 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night, I would sit down, I would write for an hour, hour and a half. And I, I wrote about 200 pages in six months. And I, I did everything by myself. I, I self-published. I, I did all of that by myself on Amazon, which is not that hard. Um, I, I really enjoyed the process. I, I thought that after I got going, I learned a lot about my subject, which I think most people that write books will tell you. And it just got me into the habit of writing, which became very useful when I started being active in social media. Because you know I, most of my, my social media posts are, are writing. And I do one every day. And I developed that habit out of writing for the book every day for six months. Um, if nothing else, it made me a significantly better writer than I was before. Mm. And how how would you say that, that this text and your general body of work applies to now uh, digital speaking? You know, the reason why I ask is we have started the process, uh, Dub as a company, we have started the process of uh, hosting uh, an online summit. In fact, it's called Action. Action is the name of our online, <clears throat> online summit. And it's an entirely virtual uh, event where we are going to have uh, you know hundreds of speakers on various topics within sales, marketing, uh, communications, and beyond. Uh, in fact, side note, we would, we would absolutely love to have you be a speaker in our virtual event. So we'll have to reach out to you about that. Uh, but what are, what are some of the notes that you might suggest to people in either s virtual speaking engagements or <clears throat> Zoom conversations that they're having with team members where they want mm. to make an impact, to make influence? Mm. Uh, give us some 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 21, 2021 tips here. Sure. There are some things that are super, super basic, and yet most people don't do them. So... You know, well, now you share the screen, this will become slightly less obvious. But what what you and, and the viewers will probably realize when they watch this is that throughout most of this, I'm looking at the camera. Mm. I'm not I'm not looking at your face. I can see your face in the corner of my eye, but I'm looking at the camera, which makes everybody feel like I'm looking at them. Mm. And this is very unnatural. I mean, it took me quite a while because my eyes kept going, you know, getting blurry. But you get used to it. And now I can essentially do that for, you know, for an hour or two, pretty much nonstop if I have to. And, and this makes a massive difference because when the, the major difference between speaking online and speaking live for the, for the audience is that the audience is so easily bored. It's mm -hmm. so easy to be distracted. So there's a whole bunch of things that, that I'm, you know, I'm having to adjust as well because I was never the type of speaker that would use slides. Like I hate slides. I would never have one if I if I could avoid it. Occasionally I'll use a prop, but mostly I'm just you know using humor and telling stories and all of that. Now that doesn't work as well 
online because people are not going to look at you for 30 or 40 minutes. I, as much as I might fancy myself, no one is going to look at my face for 30 or 40 minutes while I'm speaking. So, you know, I'm learning that you have to do a, a lot more things. You have to, uh, I heard a speaker that I really uh, respect called Thames and Webster describe this as engaging as many of the senses as you can. So it's nothing we can do to engage people's taste and taste and smell, but we can engage their, their, their ears, we can engage their eyes, and we can engage their hands. So when you're asking people to, to write something on the chat, when you're showing them objects, when you have slides that change on a regular, you know, kind of quickly enough, um, all of these things are keeping you engaged. I'm asking you questions, I'm having you respond. So I'm doing everything I can to keep you glued to the screen. And something else that I might try because I've, I've heard some people that I like saying that they, they've been doing is you actually have people this takes more preparation than a lot of people can do but you have people uh, you give people a handout even mm -hmm. if it's an electronic one and you you make them do things on the handout or on a piece of paper so they're shifting their attention between you on the screen and whatever you're telling them to do but what they're not doing is checking the social media or trying to respond to some work emails while you are while you're talking. So th those are some of the things that people need to, you know, can do that that are helpful. But I think in simple terms, look at the camera, lots and lots of interaction. Because if you don't have that, as as, as amazing as a speaker as you might be, you, ju you just can't hold people's attention for that long, particularly when we are doing five or six of these meetings a day. Uh, it, it just doesn't work. You know, I, I completely agree with you. It's so easy to get carried away and to disconnect yourself from the viewer when, in fact, this is a simulated live conversation, a live, live engagement, and we need to emulate that as best as we can. One of the things that I've really found a lot of success with is, is actually making questions, comments, interruptions a natural part of the presentation process. You know, most of the new webinar softwares or a live situation, you know, we use StreamYard, that's the technology that we're using here. Uh, there is the ability to, to comment, to chat, to ask questions, to do surveys, to do polls. And I think that those types of things are so incredibly important. And I think the reason why they're important is, I think for a couple of reasons, number one is because you keep the viewer engaged, but secondly is you get that data you understand where people are at, what questions they have, what comments, where things are not necessarily completely clear. And then I think the third thing is that there's a there's a social uh, there's a social expectation that if other people are there present, putting comments into the mix, that so should they, so should everyone. Otherwise, they're just in the corner of the room uh, with their back turned to everyone, being rude, frankly. So I think if we kind of play into that, I think it's a it's a win win win. Uh, in mm -hmm. fact, and I think it's really important. Yeah, the only caveat to to lots of interaction is interaction in the chat is is very very good, assuming you in whatever you're doing allows you to to keep an eye on it. What is perhaps slightly diff harder to manage is 
interaction live with voice, you know, asking mm. someone a question and having them answer, because then you are always hostage to the to the guy who's gonna go, yeah, my company focuses on, and then they'll talk for three minutes before <laughs> they actually ask a question, or they'll give their opinion on the subject instead of asking a question. So, so that, that's gonna get tricky. Yeah. But but yeah, the, but the chat is is very useful, and if what you're doing is not so involved technically that you cannot check it then yeah by all means people should should make that part of their presentations because otherwise you just lose people very fast yeah i you're so right in our webinars what we do is we we always have the housekeeping rules in the beginning and those rules are number one comments engaged keep them coming all good we have a separate person managing those where are you from what problems are you trying to solve uh you know what past experience do you have the next thing is the questions and the questions section in Zoom, which I really like. It's a feature where you ask a question and then you either answer it live or you answer it in, in text. Someone else uh, that's that's narrating or supporting uh, can answer those questions so that those questions are resolved. And that just becomes fuel for for additional content. So I, I agree with you. I think that the, the problem is that if people are not uh, if, if you're not staying on the story, if you're not on the plot, then you're breaking the plot, you know, mm. and that just mm. to bring it circle full circle to to our our conversation about story. Mm. Yeah, I, it's a balance. I mean, I I must be honest. I find the I find that there's a lot of advantages from a professional point of view to all the remote work we're doing, and you know, just this this last um, well, between last week and and then now. So I did <laughs> I did a lecture at a, a, a Latin American MBA in Argentina mm. uh, on storytelling. And that was about one in the morning here in Spain. But I did it, you know, from sitting here in my living room. And then a few days later, I was moderating a scientific event, which just happened to be in Barcelona. And then next week, I got something else that is in San Francisco. Now, that is fantastic. Like, you know, you, if I had to travel for every single one of these things, the interruption to my normal life would be massive. But having said that, the, the energy and the enjoyment and the, and the skills that I have <laughs> suit themselves a lot more to speaking live. And that's all of what I've always done. I, had ne I didn't know what Zoom was until I think, you know, January or February this year. So, you know, it's a learning experience, but I think that it's something we have to, we have to dive head, head first in because even with vaccines and with things sort of going back to to, to normal, this is gonna be this is gonna be part of our lives at least for another two or three years at least. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if if major companies just decided, okay, we'll have one major event per year. Everything else is online because it's just cheaper, it's more practical, it's easier to organize. So people who don't get better at communicating this way are, you know, just going to be missing a step. Yeah, that's it. That's the truth right there. We need to live in that and we need to adapt if we haven't done so already. Um, you have a lot of books behind you. Uh, <laughs> give us some book recommendations, please. Okay. We'll top, to top, top three books that you recommend that we read to just change our lives. Okay. Well, do you want them to be story-based? Otherwise, <laughs> you pick three, three, three book recommendations. Okay. So one book that uh, when it comes to story is one of the best books 
for people that haven't necessarily looked into the subject because it's just so filled with amazing stories and it's a cracking read and you know also very good in content wise is from Kindra Hall it's called stories that stick so that that is definitely one of my favorites and it's an amazing read so very very pleasurable uh, and, and you learn a ton about story she, and she's a, she's an amazing keynote speaker is on my is on my my dream list for the podcast i'll i'll, I'll get there eventually um what else other books that i could recommend <laughs> well if someone wants to read something that is um that is just this is just pure literature right so this is not it's life-changing perhaps in different ways but uh, there's a book that was made into a movie a few years back called the road from Cormac McCarthy, who's the same guy who wrote uh, No Country for Old Men. And that that is by far one of my favorite books. And it's, it, well, per perhaps given what we're going through now with the pandemic, might not be the book to read now because it's a book about sort of apocalyptic end of the world. <laughs> but it's one of the most beautiful books I've, I've ever read. And, and I strongly, strongly recommend it. Uh, and in addition to that, geez, this is when I should have my 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 list of best books uh, updated, but I could probably suggest. Hmm. Ah. Oh. Okay. So I've I've just read this, right? So so I I read this. I finished it yesterday, and I really loved it. And it's an amazing story. Uh, it's called The Force. So this is by Don Winslow. He's he's very well known for uh, a book about the the narcos. So he wrote the is the the power of the dog and the cartel and the border. And they're making Ridley Scott is making a TV show out of that now. But uh, the Force is one book is about um, cops that mean well but are perhaps not the best cops in the, <laughs> in the in the city and, and go a bit wrong sometimes. But it's an amazing amazing read for anyone who likes action who likes. Uh, thrillers and, and and who likes to try to put themselves into the lives of other people which is one of the most powerful things stories can do for us and this is this is one of those examples you read that you understand what it's like to be uh, to be a cop in new york city and nowadays that's a, a pretty hot topic and and i think it's a it's a great exercise in in empathy and putting yourself in someone else's shoes and um, again extremely fun read so the force the road and stories that stick amazing great great book rex there uh, i wanted to, to just spend a quick moment on mm. uh, one of my favorite storytellers bob dylan mm. who recently sold his catalog for mm. a whopping 300 million dollars to universal yeah. Yeah. and what's amazing about his stories songs like all along the watchtower knocking on mm. heaven's door we've heard covers of these Jimi yeah. hendrix guns and you know these are these are songs that have come to us in multiple generations mm. multiple formats uh, at the end of the day uh these are stories you know these mm. stories and this storytelling has won him the pulitzer prize it's got him mm. the Nobel prize in literature and mm. i think that it's important to understand that you know, Bob Dylan is not, when you think of pop music, when you think of one of the most memorable uh, musicians, you might not think mm. of Bob Dylan. You might think mm. of the Beatles, you might think of the Rolling Stones, you might think of someone else. You don't necessarily think of Bob Dylan, but what Bob Dylan did that's so different is that he brought those stories to us that have uh, tested, that have stood the test of time, mm. really. And I think that I just want to kind of leave listeners with an inspiration 
thanks to you, that story is such an important part of our lives. And what it does is that it brings us legacy. You know, when we're long gone, um, it's our stories that will permeate through our content, through our written work, through our videos. And I, I think the time is now to start to start sharing those those stories. After all, there are no excuses. Mm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think I think Bob Dylan does something very few musicians do, which is to have plenty of his songs are genuinely just stories from beginning mm -hmm. to end. You know, Hurricane being the, the example that comes to my mind. There are eight minutes, and it's just a story. He's just telling the story from beginning to end. Um, and as you said, I think we human beings think in stories. Stories are how we communicate with meaning. Our stories are the most memorable way we communicate to each other and convey emotion. And they are the things that stay with us. You know, I can bet that you can remember and care about stories you heard when you were a child. But you probably couldn't tell me something you heard in a business meeting last week. And, and that's just because we are made for stories. And I think that the, the earlier the pe people realize that, the richer their communication, both in business and outside, and their life will be. Because the, the last thing I'll say about story is that once you start thinking more like a storyteller, you start looking for the meaning in everyday things. And if anyone ever looks at the stories I put out on social media, they are the smallest, arguably least important things that happen in my life. And, and I, I get plenty out of them and other people too, just because I learned to see them as stories and not just as things that happened. Very cool. Where can we learn more about you? Where can we, your website, LinkedIn, you're very active on. Yeah, so the, the, the easiest way to, to reach me is LinkedIn. I, I post pretty much every day there. Um, my website is storypowers.com and um, I have a podcast, the Story Powers podcast, which is on Apple, Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are found. And that uh, comes out every week, every Monday. And it's usually an interview with someone who works with story. So I, I talk to storytellers, I talk to professional speakers, I talk to branding and marketing experts. Uh, and occasionally I drop some of my own stories in there as a, as a little bonus. But, but that one is usually you know, an hour every week talking about every possible aspect of story. So anyone wants to find out more about story, listening to any of those episodes is, um, is my best suggestion. And if you want to see me telling stories, then just keep an eye on my, on my LinkedIn or my YouTube channel. Um, everything I, every week or two, I post a, a story there. Francisco, thank you so much for your time. This has been a true arc, and I wanted to thank you for sharing this insight and this knowledge. And I would like to formally invite you to the online summit from Dub, where we can co-host a webinar. And I think that uh, the world needs to hear more from you. So thanks again, Francisco. Thanks for your time, Ruben. This is fantastic. And yeah, hit me up and we we'll organize that. I would love to take part. Thanks so much. Stick around and I'll share some notes with you. Okay.